Welcome to Volunteer Plain Talk Podcast, the podcast for today's leaders of volunteers. Your host is me, Meridian Swift. Welcome back to Volunteer Plane Talk Podcast. I am so excited about this particular episode. I talk with Samantha and Sydney, two high school students who started their own organization called Balance Boxes. And you know, I learned so much from them, their passion, their enthusiasm, their ability to create something out of nothing because they saw a need and did something about it. Now, what can we learn from all this? Well, we can learn what's going on in the lives and minds of students, especially during this pandemic. What is it that they need to be able to succeed in the nonprofit world? What do they want from us as organization when it comes to their volunteering? All of this gets covered in this particular episode. So please take a listen as Sydney and Samantha give you some real insight into what's going on with students these days. I decided to keep in a portion of our chatting together, Sydney, Samantha, and I, uh, before we actually started the formal interview, because I want you to hear a little bit about what's going on in their lives and get to know these remarkable young women a little bit more. After that, we go into the formal questions. So, Please enjoy. How are you with Deerfield? Hi, how's Deerfield High doing? It is doing well. Minus the fact we're not at school. Um, yeah, it's over. We ended um last week, so at least. Uh, how did the seniors take it? I mean, they have their virtual graduation tomorrow, so. I know a lot of people were bombed and I'm a junior and I was mm-hmm. kind of bummed because like it's my year to take the ACT and SAT, so I was a little like oh no, got to get my scores. But I know for the seniors, like they're going through like a whole nother transition. Like, do I go to college this year? Where's Sydney, when do you take them? I already took one. I already took two and I was like really happy with my scores, but I would always like do bad in one area. And Mm -hmm. I like, I really want to get that area up. It's science. And so it was canceled. So I'm like trying to switch it to like Wisconsin or something. Like, but yeah. So I know a lot of people who are like in the same position, like saying they're either going to cancel or mm-hmm. like try and switch, but like there's not that many places. The college process, like we were supposed to learn like how to like write a college essay, like how to fill out these things. Like, I don't know how to like, and they have like virtual meetings and all, but it's just so different. Do you, do you have a, a chosen field in mind? Um, Like I have like somewhat. So I want to go into the STEM field. And like, again, okay. that's very broad. So yeah, that's, that's why you go to college. You find out what you truly want to do. I kind of know like where I'm looking at at schools, but mm-hmm. I'm not like 100% sure. I want to go to the East Coast. I want to go into biochemical engineering. I can learn in college. Like that's the whole point. So that's why I'm probably just going to go in undecided. Samantha, what about you? Are you? Well, I'm a sophomore, but I am planning on going into politics and law. Any particular 
field of law? A um, criminal justice attorney I want to be. Prosecutor, probably. And then mm-hmm. I want to either after that go into politics and go into like the Senate or the House, or I want to go into like um, become a judge in the child court. I'm extremely impressed with you both. And now we get to the formal interview. Welcome, everybody. Welcome back to the Volunteer Plain Talk podcast. I am honored to have with me two guests today, Sydney and Samantha, who are students at Deerfield High School right outside Chicago, Illinois. Sydney and Samantha have started their own organization during the COVID crisis called Balance Boxes. Welcome to you both, and thank you for being here. Can you tell me a little bit about your organization? Okay, so Balance Boxes started around when COVID-19 first came to Illinois, like hard hit. So our school closed, and we were here, and we wanted to do something because we're very privileged. We go to a great high school with many resources. We have our own computers. We have our own books at home, materials, whatever we need. But many kids in Chicago and other surrounding areas who aren't as fortunate do not have the supplies. So we wanted to bring in an educational and fun component to give back to kids who were really hit by the COVID-19 crisis. To add on to that, each bounce box has in it chapter and picture books, board games, or some sort of toy to a theme-related box. And then we also give snacks, meals, and information for free virtual tutoring. That's pretty impressive that you would actually start an organization during a pandemic. Is this something that you had been thinking about, or how how did this idea come to you? This is Samantha speaking, and this idea came to us when we were out of school. We both like giving back a lot, and we're both involved in Deerfield High School's Human Rights Club, so we do a lot of work with that. So we were talking, and we decided that we wanted to do something productive during this time where school would become less um, less work and more free time. So that's kind of why we started doing balance boxes. You two actually went through the process of creating a 501c3, and that's not a very easy process. So can you kind of walk me through how that worked for you? Hi, this is Sydney. Um, Yeah, so we actually are under an umbrella foundation, so we went with free to run foundation which is based in ohio and they are more of like an advocate we're more of like a giving back but they advocate for um ending teen trafficking and samantha is part of that she's on the board she runs the chicago chapter and she was telling me about it and we talked to the board and they would they said they would love to have us part of their 501c3. So it was actually a pretty simple process. I know how hard it can be. It can take years to establish one, but we actually got it in two months. So that was really quick. And that helps tremendously since we've been able to reach out to companies, apply for grants and everything. Do you have any stats that you can share with us so far? I mean, you're, you're really kind of brand new. So So we have delivered up to date over 500 boxes to students across Chicago. We're planning on delivering probably another like 200 this week. 
So far, we've created over a thousand boxes, but due to the virus and some schools being open, some being closed and all that's going on right now in the nation, it's a little challenging and with safety concerns to also deliver. So we are just trying to find the best times and to distribute them. Okay. And, and so I'm getting the sense that this is not just a summer project. This is something you want to keep going. Yes, definitely. For sure. Do you have any volunteers besides yourself that are working with you? Currently, it is mainly just Samantha and I, I being Sydney. Um, we are looking into branching out into other big cities. So right now we are working with a girl who is local to the Chicago northern suburbs. Her name is Mary. And she is she goes to school at Deerfield Academy, which is not in Deerfield, but is actually in Massachusetts, right by Boston. So we're looking to expand in the Boston area once she goes back to school. And she has plenty of friends who are on board. And it's been mainly just us because like social distancing and we've been assembling the boxes ourselves. But when Again, we can go outside, hang out with people. We're going to have what I call packing parties where we all pack boxes together. And like I'm projecting maybe like 15 to 20 kids at a time. So that way we can get tons of more boxes done. And we're trying to branch out to other big cities. But again, we have to find people who are willing to do that. I love that idea. Packing parties make it uh, fun. It doesn't all have to be doom and gloom, right? When you're volunteering, you're doing good work. You've had your 501c3 for how long now? It's taken two months. And so how long have you had it? I would say a little over a month now. And how do you find the students? How, how are you getting a list and where they live and all that? How's that happening? So this is Samantha speaking, and so we go through and we research schools based on their free and reduced lunch programs, the low income percentages in the school, and from there we reach out to the principal or vice principal about donating. Being we are reaching out through a school, they can't give us the direct address of the kids as that's privacy concerns. So we usually find a time when they're picking up school supplies or meals from the school because a lot of them are still on free and reduced lunch programs. So they still need to get food during this time. And so when they're doing that, we'll meet up and we'll drop off the boxes for them to take home as well. Now, where do you get the supplies from? In our boxes, we have many components. We have books, games, food, toys. So the books, a lot of our community members have been helping out. So all of those supplies can be donated from our community, which has been like that, which is That is the part that gave us the start at first when we first delivered all these boxes. And lately we've been either reaching out to companies who are willing to donate or we have been buying books with the money that people have given. So usually we buy it like pretty big in bulk. So that helps a lot. And then the food part that we have, we are getting that like all of them is free. Like it comes from many companies more on the smaller side. So they donate maybe like 200 units typically. So we can put that in all of our bags. So food, it's been really helpful since we don't have to pay for that. And games, we had this company, Blue Orange Games, who donated 200 units of games. So that's been extremely helpful. And I think everything else we've either bought with the money we've had or 
like community members have donated. To add on to what Sydney said, a lot of organizations are willing to donate the products but don't have the means to pay for shipping. So we'll use the money that we fundraise to cover the shipping costs as that is still cheaper than buying like 100 new games from like Target or something. So that helps out a lot when organizations donate that portion. Yeah. So you say, hey, if you'll donate, we'll pay for shipping. And that encourages them to go ahead and donate a little more, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'm immediately thinking that organizations, well-established organizations have uh, not trouble, but, you know, it's always a challenge to get donations. And it sounds like you all are able to kind of just go ahead and get out there. And do, I, I, the question would be, and sorry to be so simplistic, but how do you do that? Yeah, so this is Sydney. So what we've been doing is we've been using our Instagram account, so it's very personal, and we like directly direct message the companies and ask for donations. And either they say for sure, no, or they send us an email. So we just keep sending emails. We keep DMing these companies, hoping that someone will donate. And I know a lot of corporate companies, it's really hard to reach them. So we've been emailing, direct messaging smaller companies, and that's been way more successful. And we've also like had um, our like charity and like newspapers and stuff, which has also like gotten people's attention. So it's more about like getting the word out and like getting familiarized with all these like other companies because they follow our Instagram. And again, more companies are willing to donate as they see other companies are contributing. So like at first it was hard to get companies, but now that we have a long list of sponsorships, it's been easier. So success kind of breeds success then, right? Yes. Does news media reach out to you based on your Facebook or Instagram, or do you reach out to them? It's actually been a mix. So we started off by reaching out to the Deerfield Patch, our local newspaper. And from there, then the village of Deerfield said that they would want to sponsor us. And then I also reached out to JUF News because we are both Jewish teens, so we have a connection to that. And so then they had us reach out also from there to their youth um, newspaper. And it's just all kind of been expanding and growing. What would you say to people who think nobody's going to want to hear from me? So this is Sydney. Um, Samantha and I are part of Deerfield's Human Rights Club. So we're very familiar with reaching out and not giving up because we actually like as students, we plan it ourselves. We do have help from a teacher but I, like last year, I found the charity and I called them. I reached out to them. They were like, wow, like, are you a senior? And it's just like having the courage to reach out and like really being passionate is what helps. Because if you don't know what you're talking about, they're not going to want to help you. And this is something that I'm very dedicated to. I know Samantha is. So that definitely helps, like just knowing and going for it. And if one place says no, there's like 500,000 other places out there. And I love what you said, Sydney, about being passionate, because I've always found that when you have conviction in something, when you truly believe something is right, you can speak passionately about it. So I'm sensing, I'm hearing from you both that you believe that this is the right thing to do. Yeah. So we believe in equal access to education. Everyone, like, 
We believe that it is a human right and that everyone deserves it. And I know coronavirus kind of puts like, it, it makes it harder because again, we have computers, we can get all our assignments. We're only hindered a little bit. And all these kids out there, like my mom is, um, she's a social worker. She has to zoom them. Half of them don't show up because their interconnection is unstable. And I know that's a challenge. And the least we can do is give them resources like books. And I know recess is something that we all love and why not give them a game? Cause that's always fun and engaging. So we, we believe in equal access to a lot of things. And I feel that coronavirus is really put a break in that dividing the wealthier and the poor. And let me ask you this question. This is for all the people out there who think if I volunteer, I don't know what difference I'm going to make. How does it make you feel when you actually know that you're doing something about an issue or a challenge, a societal challenge? Um, This is Samantha speaking. And I would say it's probably one of the best feelings because we get like testimonial emails from some of the parents and principals and staff members thanking us, which obviously that's not like, we're not looking for that at all, but it's just so exciting to see how much of a difference a board game, a book, a snack and free tutoring services could um, make in someone's life because at least growing up, that's something I used to take for granted. And I didn't realize that many people didn't have access to that. So just seeing how much of a difference that can make is truly amazing. Those testimonials, are they coming in terms of emails or verbal yes, email? They come in terms of emails in all of our boxes. We do include our email, our phone number and our social media as well as information because we do plan to possibly provide like field trips to museums with the kids later on, obviously with the coronavirus, that's not occurring at the moment, but parents are welcome to email us to add their kids to the, e- to the email list for when we do start doing that. All those testimonials will be great for recruiting volunteers to your packing parties and, and that. Yeah. Use them for something like that as well. Yes, the few words can go a long way. You two are extremely impressive. And I need to ask you this question. Why did you choose to create your own organization versus going to an established organization, which I understand you're under an umbrella, but going to an established organization and volunteering? So... This is Sydney. Um, During the coronavirus outbreak, it was very early on. And again, there was nothing like it. I know there's a lot of charities now making masks and that's a very common thing. But there was nothing like balance boxes because all these kids didn't have any materials. Nobody was giving them out. And we really felt like, what is the best way to do this? And I know companies have like, I know our school has a supply drive at the end of the year, but it was March and everyone's school supplies were either at home in their lockers. Like I haven't cleaned out my locker. So it was something that we felt like we had to do right away. And I felt like creating balance boxes was the quickest way to do it and the most effective because it's not only school supplies, but it's games and food. And that's what people need during this time because they don't have access to their school games 
like free reduced lunches. They're cut off. They're not going to school. And again, they can go and pick it up. But what if you have COVID? You can't. So this was the quickest way to really make a difference. To add on to what Sydney said, um, we are both 16 years old and the kids we're helping are probably around, I'd say, 7 to 10. So we are pretty close to their age. So being around their age, we know what they'll enjoy more than an adult. And I like the whole idea of being youth run because I like when kids are making a difference versus, and there's nothing wrong with adults doing it. It's great too, but it's very fun to work with other teens and be able to make our own decisions. I guess from this, um, you are learning or maybe not learning, maybe you're just flexing your muscles as leaders. So what do you, what do you think you're going to gain from all of this besides the good feelings? Um, this is Samantha. So there are like so many things we're getting out of this, like outreach um, work. So we're working with so many established organizations. We are also getting better at our writing skills because we are writing out so much to everyone and sending them all this information. And our public speaking skills are enhancing because we gave a commencement address on the We Day Celebrate um, broadcast. So that helped us. And then also to add on to the writing skills, like writing grants um, requests, that's a lot of work and a lot of financial stuff, which most teens don't really know how to write a budget, at least I'm assuming. So we have learned a lot with that. Most adults don't know how to write a budget. (laughs) And just to add on, yeah, so I feel that like this is a great way to show leadership because again, it's just us. There's no adult. And in every position of leadership I've ever had, there's always been an adult looking over me, whether it be clubs, outside of school planning. It, It just, it's really like it's in our control. And if we mess up, we mess up and we learn. But so far we're not, which is great, but it's it just like, it's so different being like independent and doing this with Samantha. There's still collaboration, which is every part of a team, but there's nobody like overseeing us, which it we, really gives us a lot of freedom. We are getting though assistance and mentoring from the free to run foundation. So if we do have questions, they are able to guide us with that, but it re- is really just us making the choices and we are in charge of the money we fundraise. So it's really up to us in that sense. One thing we're seeing in the volunteer sector is that people are more inclined to not want to go, you know, sign up in an organization and wait to be called. They just want to go and help. And I feel that from you too. You saw a need. You didn't want to wait around to see, you know, who's going to do what. What seems to be the sense for students nowadays that they want to go and volunteer at an organization? They want to do things on their own. Are you getting a sense of, of where we're headed? Yeah. So this is Sydney speaking. I feel that a lot of people are more inclined, especially in our community to help out because a lot of people at this age realize how privileged we are. So I'll share an experience. I go to camp in Michigan and it's not like normal Michigan. It's pretty much the North shore moved locations. And my parents picked me up from camp and we were driving home. And I was like, wow, this like looks like nothing. Like this is like the middle of nowhere. And my parents are like, that's, that's middle America. And I was so astonished. I was like, where's the houses? Like, where's like the fancy bushes and all that? And I was like, wow. 
And I was actually born in Chicago, but I moved at like a very young age. But again, all of my family still lives out there and I visit. And the older I got, the more I realized not everything is like cookie cutter, picture perfect. So I think a lot of people in our community, when they become teenagers, they're really realizing that and they want to help out. And I know that colleges ask a lot about what are your service hours? Like, how have you helped out? So I think a lot of people are kind of like, not like guilt trip, but inclined to help out because of college, which is not the way I want to see them doing it. But again, like people are very like up to giving back and engaged in all of these service projects. Tell me then, what would appeal to a student? Uh, Something very meaningful? Are they inclined to want to do something that's, you know, just kind of ordinary? I'm guessing the answer is absolutely not. Um, So this is Samantha. Um, I think there's many things that make students appeal to certain organizations. I think the most important thing with our age is flexible hours because we are so busy and I'm sure adults are as well. But with with schoolwork and everything, the hours are very important. And then I think it's all a matter of what interests each person because someone who's more interested in like medicine will probably go in a club more towards like the medical like careers club but someone who's more interested in politics will go more to debate model un route and then someone who's more interested in coding will go towards like coding club so it's really a matter of where your passions lie and what you want to see yourself doing that causes people to pick their clubs and to add on like what's so great about balance boxes is the themes we do. Every box has its individual theme and I'm someone who's into STEM. So I love when I get to make a STEM or science or women's empowerment box, because like, again, that's all about me. Like we need more women in the STEM field and starting at a young age is the most important. So I feel like every time I make a box, whether it be STEM related or not, I'm helping their education, helping them find like a path to maybe college or some other future career. And I think that no matter what your interest is, like balance boxes, like it is something that can go with if you like politics or science or even sports, because there are sports boxes. And I think that's truly meaningful for anyone who wants to give back in some way of charity or organization. We do give a large array of options. So like Cindy talked about, we have like our STEM and coding boxes, but we also have our around the world and history related boxes. We have our princesses and toy story boxes. We have nature boxes. There's just such a wide array that there's something for every child's interest. Would you say a good tip for an organization or for a volunteer manager when looking to recruit student volunteers would be look for the student's interest and try to merge their passions and maybe what they look as a career path with the actual volunteer assignment instead of just saying, hey, I've got, you know, uh, you know, papers to file, come and do it and I'll give you hours. I think it's very important that they are enjoying what they're doing because you're going to get so, a way better product if whoever's volunteering wants to be there. Because if we have someone putting together a box who has no interest whatsoever, they're just going to throw the stuff in and not take time to think about what books go with the theme, what games, what would you enjoy, what would the kid enjoy. 
it would just be more to get this done and keep it moving. And that's why we're, that's why I said packing parties, because we're looking to engage students who want to give back and not just, it's a chore. Like again, like I was like, we want to hold it at our local um, park district because that's like the easiest location to meet at. But like, there's going to be music, snacks, like it's going to be a great way to meet people. You can multitask, talk and pack boxes. So it's really just very easy. It shouldn't feel like a chore, very flexible. So that's what's great about balance boxes because when people do charity, they're like, oh, I have to do charity. But we want to like engage people and we want it to actually seem like fun and that it's not an obligation. Like I'll spend six hours a day packing boxes and not even realizing it. I'll have like my Netflix or something playing in the background. And it's just, it's like, I I get genuine enjoyment out of it. Some organizations are starting to do is have like date night, you know, or family night. And so instead of going on a date and going to a movie or whatnot, you go and you do charity work together, which is a real bonding experience. Um, This is Samantha speaking. And we have actually put together like a bingo board on Instagram for families to clean out their like houses during this time because everyone's like has so much free time. So like find a board game, find a book, donate $2 or whatever. And like they do all that kind of stuff as a family. And then they could bring the items over to one of our houses, obviously leaving it outside and then we'll wipe it down and quarantine it in the garage or something before going through it. But it becomes like a fun family activity. Are you uh, recording any of these hours? I do have a running list. I haven't really used it for anything yet, but I do like knowing how much, how many boxes I can make in a given hour and how much quicker I get it because it's kind of fun for me to like beat my hours. Yeah, in about hours, like I'm, I don't really keep track because like sending an email, like that doesn't take that long. And I could send like emails forever, but again, I don't need to. So it's all about like how, what I like to count is how many boxes I can actually get done. Because like at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how many hours I contribute. It matters how many boxes I can deliver. So that brings us to partnerships, uh, which we talked about a little bit, but what do you think, and I'm kind of putting you on the spot, but what do you think is the secret or one of your tips for creating partnerships, not only with other organizations, but maybe with companies, businesses, corporate partners? What what do you think might be the partnership tips that you could share? So this is Sydney. I think like a, a great way to start a partnership is look for companies that share your goals. Like our first big partnership was with Bravery Magazine, who writes magazines for kids. It's about important women in history with fun games and stuff in it. And we actually did a deal with them where for the week they donated 15% of their proceeds. And that was like almost a thousand dollars for us. So that like really helped us. And that was in the beginning. So that was really helpful. That helped us make so many boxes. And so I think it's like really important. What we've done is we've reached out to companies that like want to help children, especially like low income. And that's been the easiest. So just anyone who like shares your ideas is so helpful. And also I think when we email them, I always get a response back. Wow. I'm so impressed how young you are about how you're doing this. And I really think it's just like stepping up, showing your capabilities and really like also impressing people being like, I'm only like this old and I can do this. And people like want to help the young generation. 
it definitely helps to be young with the nonprofit for us. But adding on to what Sydney said, we have had the most success with smaller businesses, but we have like partnered with like Barilla Pasta and they've donated like 500 coupons for us to go pick up the um, pasta boxes and sauce, which was pretty big for us. And so it's really a matter of like finding where our organization fits with other organizations. And then we're also involved in many like youth groups and like you kind of build a network with other teens involved in the nonprofit sector as you kind of start doing this. So like a shout out for a shout out on your Instagram page is always a great way to gain more followers. Correct me if I'm wrong, but or your way of doing business is to network. It's definitely all about networking to us. And either way, if we don't get a partnership or we don't work with someone who's working with another nonprofit, like many big businesses like craft works with like overall like hunger um programs so we know that their products are going to good and even if it's not going directly to our nonprofit we still know that they are helping other organizations which at the end of the day as long as people are being helped who need it we're happy and i will say you guys are are incredibly awesome and incredibly well spoken and I, I don't know that you need to really hone your um, presentation skills. It's pretty doggone spot on. Um, Samantha and Sydney, we've talked a lot about how you started this organization, how you're networking with other organizations. What do you see as the future of volunteering, nonprofits? So I see... Again, we just went through a global pandemic. I see people becoming more creative and more outspoken because I know when March for Our Lives happened, I was like, oh my God, these kids are in high school. I was in high school at the time. So I was like pretty blown away because a group of kids got together and did it. And I saw that trend later on. And ever since March for Our Lives, I've been like very aware of kids stepping up to the plate doing their own thing. So I think people are going to get more creative. I think there's going to be more charities um, focusing on groups that haven't like been in touch yet. So I know like gun violence was always an issue, but it was never an issue for children until something was said. And education like components at home was never an issue until the coronavirus. So I think like I, with every issue, kids are going to be creative, either ad- adults or kids are going to be creative and are going to start something and really change it. And I think that the future of organizations and charities and anything, like even companies, it's going to always like move to the more creative side, more innovative. Yeah, I'm hoping our generation can make a huge difference. We've gone through a lot throughout our lives and the generation's a little bit older, younger than us. So, I mean, I'm hoping that our generation will do more nonprofits, bring voter turnout rates up, just all around improve. I just personally am seeing so much more creativity in this space. And that's not only encouraging to all of us, but we feel like, you know, your generation coming up is really going to tackle with innovation an awful lot of societal uh, challenges and ills. And so that just builds well. And we see more partnerships, more networking, more getting together and, and, and just creating 
partnerships that work for everyone. If you had any advice or any tips for any nonprofit, any volunteer manager who wanted to harness some of this creativity, what would it be? Um, Well, first of all, just take what you enjoy and put it into action and make your volunteers feel valued because if you have a volunteer who doesn't feel important, they're not going to want to bring new ideas to the table and they're not going to be as confident to make a bigger difference. Just like, again, I feel more passionate if like I actually have a role and I'm like individually seen, not like as a group. And I think that's the thing that Balance Boxes is really good at. Like I, everyone that has like helped me, like given me names of people to contact or just anything, like I am on a first name basis, like we follow up. And again, like we are social distancing, but my friends have reached out to me and said like, I want like to help you. And I've just like been very personal about it. And I think like, that's the key. You got to like really know someone because then they're more like devoted and actually want to contribute. Well, I want to thank both of you for taking the time, not only for taking the time to speak with us today, but for taking the time to use your time and your talents and considerable knowledge and experiences and passion and innovative natures to do something in your community and for even extending it beyond. And we're going to include some information if folks want to get in touch with you, maybe learn how they could start a balance box in their area, donate. So we'll put a donation uh, in our notes and that. But I want to thank you both for caring about your community and those around you. Thank you so much for having us. And thank you. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to the Volunteer Plane Talk podcast. Big thank you to Alternate Timelines for the use of their music. For more volunteer management talk, or if you just want to reach out to me, please visit my website, volunteerplanetalk.com. Or you can catch me at Meridian Swift on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Until next time, this is Meridian Swift. Thank you and bye-bye.